Welcome to Gator Bites, the official business podcast of the Maryland Davies College of Business. I'm your host, Miguel Gomez. And before we begin, we'd like to ask you to follow us on social media at Instagram, Facebook, X, and LinkedIn at UHDCOB. With us today is the immaculate, the impeccable, the irreplaceable Miss Trisha Vincent. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Welcome to the program for having today. having me, Miguel. Yes, yes I'm glad to be here. Um, it's, it's about time. You know, yeah. We're, we're about to finish up the first season, and I couldn't think of a better person to uh, wrap up the season with. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to end 2023 strong. That's yes, it. That's it. exactly what we need to do. Love to hear that. So to begin, tell us about your career in project management um, as a process improvement professional as well as your consulting work and your time here as a corporate fellow in the UHD MBA program. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. So my my career actually started as, uh, as a trainer. Mm. I started at a training uh, with MCI, Corporations Telecommunications, and that was also the first company that I got laid off on. Mm. We'll talk about that. Uh, then I went into training. I went into as a business analyst. Mm -hmm. So working for an automotive software company, it was more of a startup. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was there and they got bought out. So I actually worked uh, doing implementations with projects early on for about eight years. Uh, They got bought out by ADP. Mm -hmm. And then I started uh, consulting. So I was consulting um, off and on as a business analyst. And then finally, my long-term a position landed at Chevron, and I actually started at Chevron as a contractor, uh, coming in specifically as a business analyst, uh, understanding the vendor management uh, landscape. And uh, then I ended up work moving into project management center of excellence, so the PMO office, and they actually brought me back on as a trainer, but I was training project managers. So that actually, and training project management. So the whole life cycle uh, totally uh, came to a a beautiful, beautiful uh, climax at Chevron. And um, they sent me globally to train project managers all over the world, in Nigeria, Angola, Kazakhstan. I I had a blast. That was, I, I loved it, I loved it. But the space of project management um, actually laid the foundation for what I'm doing now in consulting. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now I am using these, those same project management skills. Those are transferable skills. They never, you, you never depart from that. Mm-hmm. So any assignment that you have isn't wasted. It's, it's, a, it's a stepping stone, right. right? And so now I'm able to do that with my clients. Uh, I am the CEO of Launcher Influence, and so we work with professionals to provide an executive brand and provide them with a signature portfolio so they can pivot in the market uh, seamlessly. Those are really important things, and it's impressive to see how your story came full circle. You know, starting off at MCI, that one was really rough. You know, shout out to Beyonce for that one song with <laughs> Destiny's Child. Uh, no bugaboos in this space. No bugaboos, yes. Um, but 
now you rose the ladder. You went on to work at one of the most illustrious companies in the United States, Chevron. You worked in their PMO office, and then you went on to train, and now you're working as an executive consultant. You're helping people build your brands. I've seen your portfolios. They're absolutely gorgeous. They're slick. They're the type of things that will help you stand out in an executive search, and you're helping launch people's dreams. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. We want to continue doing that. So I want to dive into project management a little bit more. Okay. Um, what is project management for the folks out there who don't really have a strong subject matter uh, definition of it, and what are some common misconceptions people have about projects? Uh, that's a good question. So project management's the ability to take strategic initiatives um, or ideas or a product um, and to be able to go through a systematic process of delivering it so it can be executed and built upon and everybody gets a chance to consume it and benefit from it. Um, it has a beginning and an end, right? So projects have a lifespan. They should not be going continually, which is actually part of the myth, right? Like, you, there's been, I've encountered project managers that have been on projects that they deem from hell because they never end. Um, and so it's important to understand the dynamics and the benefits that projects have because companies today have strategic, uh, they have a strategic roadmap that they need to achieve and to do that, that's where projects come in. So the need for project professionals will never really go away, even in the generation of AI. Let me say that again. In the generation of AI, you're going to need a human being to facilitate some of these initiatives because you've got human interaction. You do have uh, automative capabilities to help uh, bring about efficient means on delivering what you're trying to do, but... Um, a project manager has a good good space in today's market. That's very comforting to hear because there's been a lot of turbulence in job markets because of uncertainty of what's going to happen with the markets in terms of inflation, recession, but also AI is coming into the picture. It scared a lot of writers into going into strike this year. Same thing goes with actors because they want the job security. But you know, to hear that you'll actually need a human being to uh, facilitate projects, to communicate, to uh, engage with stakeholders, it's something that is really comforting. And I feel that's something that we'll really dive deep into as we head into some advice from the graduating class this year in yeah. the job market. But uh, let's talk about scope creep. Let's talk about those projects from hell you just mentioned. <laughs> you know, sometimes no. No is not a fun word. But no. you got to say no. You know, uh, tell us, what is a project charter? Why is it important to commit to a project charter once you've locked in? And what are some tips that you would have for some people to say no, even to their boss? Um, so a project charter is actually going to document and you have the ability to capture what it is that we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that everybody's <clears throat> going to agree upon and in some cases sign off to say this is what, this is the charter for the project. So for this initiative, this is what we plan on doing. Right. Um, and because projects are so dynamic in nature, right? Things are always changing, mm -hmm. which is where the scope creep comes in. It's like, how do you manage this change? Um, so you have the charter to fall back on just to make sure that we're, we're still in the same proper lane. Um, I've encountered a lot of uh, scenarios where the project managers have changed. 
So the person that was a project manager at one time is no longer the project manager. They had to move on to another one because they were in demand, right? right? They were so good at their job, they got pulled from that, and somebody needed to come in and fall into their footsteps. Right. Well, the, the benefit of project charter is that has already been laid out for whoever's going to come in contact with the project. And it actually is used as a... It, it, that actually feeds into other documentations um, that are associated with the project. Um, the second thing that you were talking about was, uh, because I have a charter, I know what we're supposed to do, and then things are changing, I might need to tell our leadership, we can't do this, right? So how do I say that? And I think there's a, you have to navigate that space very gracefully. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain personalities that can't get away with saying no because of your leadership. So how do you navigate that? At first, we give options. These are the options. If you take this scenario, this is what this means. If you take this scenario, this is what it means in terms of the decision makers having a say-so, right? So I, I say no, this is my recommendation, but I'm gonna give you options as to if you don't agree with me, these are going to be what you have to choose from and the impact of choosing those said scenarios are there. And okay, we always, always document. Mm. Hello, you always gotta send that email as discussed. This is what we agreed on um, because things change all the time. People have very short memories. Isn't that funny? In the day of technology, how do you have such a short, funny memory? That's why I love email. Eh eh. Let me send the email and remind you. You have to come ready with the receipts. Yeah, you do. And you've been in many situations where you've been in high-stakes meetings with executive leadership, have you not? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, coming into these meetings, it's really important to come armed with the facts and the figures. Let's talk about data for a second. Mm-hmm. Data and project management. You have these options that you're presenting, and you want to be able to say, this is what the numbers are telling us. What role does data play in project management, and why is it so important when millions of dollars are on the line? Um, that That's such a good question and yesterday during our corporate fellow class uh, I brought out three scenarios that happened this week Mm. in terms of having the right data and understanding what is needed right so data is you don't have a successful project without having the right uh, documentation and data to provide uh, leadership because the project manager is leading a project but they are accountable to the sponsor and to senior management and to leaders and executives. So at the end of the day, you are providing them with data so they can make a quality decision. So that is very important because it's dependent on. I just sat um, on a, Chevron had their quarterly call uh, a couple weeks ago and they were asked a question from another accounting firm and the CEO, Mike Worth, was saying, our project managers have assessed that really well. And so what we're looking into is the data to make sure that this is the landscape of what we're doing. And so we have added more resources to it to ensure that it will be successful. That decision was made off of data. That decision had project managers in scope and adding other resources to say, oh, we need to make sure that this is managed tight. 
so we can answer to our stakeholders. So that's a high level example of the importance of data. How does it roll up to the bottom line? Um, I, I used Chevron as an example because they just had their earnings call. Right. Uh, but in other scenarios, the three examples that I, I pulled out for class this week, uh, we were speaking about risk management. Risk management is a component of, it's a pillar of project management, right? And so this week we had in Australia, you can Google it, Australia had a blackout on their telecommunications devices. Mm. The whole nation. Can you imagine all of the U.S. not having access to their phones? Everyone would be freaking out. Do you know? So then I said, let's, let's, I, I'm, I'm showing you World Live News because I got it off of Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, World Live News, and I'm, I'm shifting it. If it can happen to Australia, it can happen to the U.S. Right. If it's going to be able to happen into these two different continents, we've got projects in the landscape. Right. How are those projects going to be impacted? Do you have that listed as a risk? How, why do we need to make sure that we're aware of certain scenarios? Because we don't want our projects to be delayed. If it's delayed, that's money. If it's late, that's money. So the importance of having data is to make sure that we can manage those things that we have control over and identify those things that we do not have control over as well. So quality decisions can be made by uh, our executive decision makers. And that's really important because sometimes you have to be able to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You have to understand and weigh all the risk and understand that you know you might have to make some difficult decisions, but if you have the best information possible, it does a long way in mitigating that risk, but it also protects yourself and provides cover as a professional. Right. Um, the corporate workplace can be very difficult sometimes, and being able to navigate not only the professionalism whenever it comes to the one-on-one interactions or as well as building those relationships within your network, but also the work that you do. Those are the two components of knowing how to effectively navigate that jungle, would yeah, you say? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Being able to, there's a finesse to that, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I say that having um, the right relationships, you know, in project management, another vertical uh, and pillar is understanding your stakeholders and knowing your business Mm. um, and making sure that you have a circle within a circle. So do you have the right mentors, advisors Mm. to help navigate that space? I haven't had to experience it. I don't need to learn on my own if I've got wisdom surrounding me that has already endured it, right? So they can also help to navigate those spaces for you as well. Let's talk about a mentor for a second. Um, Have you ever had a mentor in your career? And tell us a little bit about why it was such a benefit to you as a professional. Oh, my gosh, which is so funny. I just got um, this year I spoke at Shell. Um, to their mentoring program, yeah. and I had the uh, opportunity to invite my mentor to speak about our journey together. And so I am such an advocate of mentorships, relationships. Uh, shout out to Lat Pate, uh, Dorothy Gibson. Um, they they were definitely instrumental in my life and in my career. And uh, what has been the benefit of it is exactly what you said. I needed wisdom. I needed hindsight, insight to be able to provide me with a pathway of you may not. And they they're funny. They won't say, Trish, you can't do it. They're going to come back and say, well, this might be something you might want to entertain. 
Right. I, I mean, you might want to consider this, right? Uh, and and actually, out of that relationship was um, understanding. Let follow the data. Follow the numbers. Let the data do the talking. As a project manager in that space, you want to be separated. You know, sometimes we can be passionate. I need this person, but in order to to be effective and objective, uh, that's where the data, having data allows you to be objective and remove the emotion out of it. I really like that. You know, the idea of having a cowboy CEO is something of a bygone era at this point. Mm -hmm. You haven't seen that since, ironically, you're Bernard Evers, you know. That's what (laughs) I believe Business Week said sometime in the 90s. But now you have CEOs that are responsible for P&L statements, Mm -hmm. and they have skin in the game. And if they don't have the right numbers and the right data points, then they're they're sort of up a creek. And they're relying on people like the project managers who are the front line people to make sure that they're getting the most accurate and uh, knowledgeable information in terms of managing risk. Yeah. So being a project manager is is a lot of responsibility. Um, And and now in the the landscape, things have, we've got different titles or different methodologies, Mm -hmm. agiles on the scene, scrums on the scene, but still the same concept. You've got someone leading an initiative that needs to get delivered, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether that's through an iterative process or the output of that is gonna be data, right? The mm-hmm. output is gonna be a product. Um, what do we do with that? And what does that mean to uh, upper management? So yeah, I'm all there for you. I need my mentors and I'm, I'm building and fostering more relationships, right? So. Uh, that never ends. That never ends. And so I, I'm very grateful for the mentors that I've had in my life. I'm glad that you brought up the certifications in terms of Agile and Scrum and knowing what those methodologies are. We'll dive into those. Okay. But I want to I take a step back and I want to ask you about your international career. Ah. <laughs> You've been around the world, like that one Lisa Stanfield song. <laughs> oh. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, you mentioned that you've been to all these far-flung places, going all the way to Angola. Um, what are some other countries? Nigeria, Kazakhstan, yeah. Places that you might have never even imagined that you've ever gone. Um, what advice would you have to MBAs and undergrads who want to become project managers? And what are some ways that they can get their foot in the door? And how did you get your foot in the door? Um, so my advice to the class of 2024 coming up to the class of 2023 that just came out and coming up because December is also a graduation. I say for you to definitely be strategic with where you want to go. You know that saying, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. You know, at this stage, hopefully you have some insight. Um, And whatever that is, that should actually be feeding into your life plan. Um, If you have that life plan, then you're going to be automatically things are getting weeded out because it's not meeting your strategic initiative, right? So um, I leave that with the class is have a life plan of where you want to go and then those accompanying and supporting roles uh, are what you're going to start identifying to get you to the next level and the next step. Um, Your next question was uh, how did I get started or how to get my foot in the door? How did you You get the door? I I tripped. <laughs> <laughs> I just got in by accident. 
didn't. I just, you know, I did whatever I could do. Uh, no, seriously. Um, looking back and hindsight, if I spoke to the Trisha of 20s, uh, 20, the 22-year, oh my gosh, am I saying that? Yes. The 2020-year version of Trisha. Um, continue doing what you're doing. Excel at what you can. Stay focused and excel at what you can. My foot in the door was my expertise as a business analyst, not as a project manager. So that's why I say the days of small beginnings are, and that's why I also said that everything is a stepping stone. It's a, it's a pillar. I started speaking and training. My first position at MCI, I didn't say this, was as customer service representative. Um, and they had a training position open and I remember the feeling that I had, like, if I didn't apply for that position, I was going to be sick. And then if I did apply for that position, I was like, I could do this. Um, I didn't have a cheerleading squad. I didn't have Facebook or I didn't have any of that. I just had that inner feeling of, oh, my gosh, when I got in front of a group of people and spoke in front of them, it was just, I was just, there was such an energy about it. That energy is still today. I am still walking in that line of purpose that has never left me. And so everything that I have done has fostered the ability to tap into that side of me. That wasn't a skill at the time. I didn't know these things, right? It was, it was a feeling. So now in 2023, we've got skills identified to support what is the, my passion and purpose that I need to go into? And so now um, from the career, as a career coach and consultant and creating these professional portfolios, understanding where your skill is, understanding what the industry recognizes and support as a skill is truly important in order for you to make it. Companies want to understand what the skills that you have mm -hmm. because that's going to feed into their initiatives <clears throat> of how to get to the next level and their competency map that they have for their employees. So you've identified the skills and these companies know that these are the skills that they need from these project managers. I like what you said about Agile and Scrum. Let's talk about certifications. You have a lot of very nice letters <laughs> in your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I do. Huh? What do these letters mean? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, what do these letters mean? Um, what do these certifications stand for? And what is the payoff in investing your time in getting these certifications? That's a good question. I had a client um, come to me and they were like, do I need to get certified in this? And I was like, I don't want certification. Certifications can be a buzzword and a checkbox, mm. right? Like, oh yeah, I got these certifications. Now companies will look to see if you have these certifications because it is a standard, right? Mm -hmm. It's a standard to say, if you've gotten the certification, I don't need to train you in this space. I don't need to handhold you in this space. As a matter of fact, you're coming into our organization and you should be taking us to the next level because you have received that certification, right? So the danger in some aspects is a lot of people use certifications as a checkbox. They have a uh, they've got that piece of paper, but they do not have the competency behind it. They do not have the skill set to support it, which the skills, again, I'm going back to skills. That's, again, those actually, those two things should be hand in hand. 
So if I've got a certification on one end, I should have the skill set to support that and corroborate mm-hmm. with that. A lot of people that are transferring into new spaces will have the certification and not the skill set, and then it's a deficit for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, unless that comes up in the conversation, right? So for those people that are like, Trish, I don't have the skill I don't have the skill set, but I want to get the skill set. Well that's a that's part of your communication in your interview, right? Like I have that's a development area. Not a weakness. Mm-mm. We don't say the W word. That is a del a development area that I can close that gap in and um, if there's a buddy system, I could work with somebody. I am working with somebody externally. I have a coach. You know, So there's ways for you to supplement that gap. But I, I really want to make sure I, I paint a clear picture of how do certifications work in today's world? Um, what are the benefits and what are some of the, the you know red alerts that we should be keeping in mind with that? I think that's so important that you brought that up because we live in an age where we question the validity of everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is And either, we should. And, yes, naturally. <laughs> we there, should. There, there, there should be a idea of you trust, but you have to verify. Yes. And that's where you have to be careful, like you said, whenever you come in with all these certifications. That may be true, but do you have the skills to be able to back up those certifications? And if not, then it can create a situation where you don't present yourself in the best light and you might have that skills gap. But if you explain, like you said, that you're willing, that this is your position where you're at now and you're trying to close that gap, then the company will have a better idea of who you are as an individual and what type of development plan that they're looking at for you. Because, you know, as a professional, it's all about development. You're not going to know everything. Exactly. Exactly. So that that's a true point on um, making sure that you have a development plan. Mm. We talked about a couple of plans. So. You know, with project management, it's all about the planning, right? So having a development plan, having a career plan, having a life plan is really important for you to be successful. So um, understanding your skills, understanding the scenarios that you you may not have skills, but maybe you do have scenarios that you have uh, experienced at certain companies. Again, then your brain starts flooding of, oh, okay, I did that. As a coach, I have to ask you, what's been your mantra for 2023? (laughs) Uh, Our mantra this year is uh, for our company, Launch Your Influence, for all of our clients to embrace, I'm betting on me in 2023. What about 2024? Uh, We're opening doors in 2024. Because I bet on me in 2023, I'm opening doors in 2024. You bet on yourself. And now you're opening doors. We're executing. You're executing. So we bet on ourselves, meaning that we planned, we invested, we believed in the impossible. I I just came from a a conference this week in Atlanta, uh, Speak Your Way to Cash with Ashley Nicole Kirkwood. Phenomenal. Um, And she she says, uh, I eat the impossible for lunch. You know, I... You know, I eat breakfast. I eat doubt for breakfast. I eat the impossible for lunch. I could get that in the wrong order, but you get the idea. Is I have to have a certain mindset, and I, I have to say that one of the the number one challenging lessons learned that I have since we've started the company mm-hmm. is mindset. Mm-hmm. It has been. I've had clients at the highest levels dealing with imposter syndrome. I've had. And to break through that has been, I can't even, if I looked at my own data, I've had people that started with me 
conversational-wise, 2020. Nothing happened until 2022. And I'm like, yo, what took you so long, right? <laughs> it was mindset. It was mindset. So that's why really going into this year, we said in January, uh, betting on me in 2023, I didn't, it couldn't just be a theme and a mantra. I have to live it out, right? So I'm betting on me coming on this podcast. Hi, everybody. Big up, U of H, downtown. Um, go ahead, Gators. Uh, I, I'm betting on myself to take myself to the next level. I don't have competition. I am my own competition. You know, I always try to remind myself that that you're sort of like a racehorse running with blinders on. You don't have to worry what they're doing. You don't have to worry what they're doing. You gotta focus on your own race. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it, it comes down to mindset. You have to see something that might be impossible and you have to just take one step at a time, at least once a day. Yeah. How do you devour a whale? How do I devour? A whale. A web? Whale. A whale? Yeah. One bite at a time. That's it. That's it. One bite at a time. It, it's really, uh, it's important that you analyze what's working for you and what's not working for you, mm. right? And so um, next week we're going to do a, a live LinkedIn live to do a pulse check, something that we've been doing years and years. I'm still gonna continue doing it because it's actually part of my framework as an individual. I, if I do a, a check on my car, if I have to get inspected every year for my vehicle, I have to go ahead and do an inspection physically. I have to, if I have to do this for my finances, you think the IRS is gonna let me just pass on by without doing a financial check and submitting the data to them? All of these checks, but I can't check on my own personal life to see what has worked and what has not? No, we're not doing that. We're not going to 2024 like that. No. You're, you're going to do your professional audit the same way that hopefully the IRS doesn't audit yes. you. Yes. Or us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you have better outcomes, okay? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we could stay here talking all day long. I have a millions of questions for you. but Bring me back, man. Bring we'll, me back. We'll do a round two. But going just to wrap up on techniques that don't work and techniques that work for you, uh, I want to ask you, I've tried the Pomodoro. I've tried the time blocking technique. I've tried all that stuff. I've tried the checklist on Microsoft to do and all that. What advice, ultimately, mm -hmm. the cornerstone of project management is being able to be organized. Mm -hmm. what, what, what are some tips, techniques, and tools that you would recommend to people uh, to be more organized in 2024? Um, technology really is to that same advantage. I was, as, I was really great managing everybody else except myself. So let me be vulnerable on that aspect. Like organization for myself was a challenge. Mm. And I had to block out time. I, I had to do all of the above of what you mentioned. Mm. So I block out time. I realized that checking emails was a distraction, not a benefit. So I only check emails at a certain time of the day, uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, and then at the end, and then before I go to bed right? Like four times a day. Right. I'm blocking time for this. I am blocking time to plan for the next day. I am blocked. So the time blocker is essential. Mm. I also realized that I'm easily distracted. So this year I started working like the three or four hours that I'm going to do all of my top goals mm -hmm. that I need to focus in. So I can't listen to music with words which is very odd for me because I have a background in 
piano. I played piano forever, and uh, and then I did not play piano forever. I haven't played piano forever. But ironically, I found that listening to music with no words yielded the most productivity out of myself. Wow. So all that to say, figure out what you're, what. Are, is working for you and really what is not working for you. So when you analyze what is not working for you, start dissecting that and figure and do the five whys. Why is that not working? Why is that not working? And why is that not working? And then I realized for myself, once I did that, oh my God, the things I was able to spit out was phenomenal. The next thing also that works for me was my diet. Really? So your energy level peaks and goes and and I'm like, oh, man, I just want to take a nap. I'm like, girl, come on. What's wrong with you? You can't do this. I had to. So in January, I just had this conversation with my 82-year-old father, who does not look like 82 years old at all. And believe Love me, that. his feistiness shows it as well. But I was saying, Daddy, I had to change my diet. And he was like, I love staying here. He's visiting in the country with me for a couple weeks. He said, I love staying here with you, and I like the way that you eat. You feed your father well. I said, yes, 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 of course. So... But my diet was really important, and I increased uh, 70% vegetables. Mm. I did that last year. So this year, I had the same goal, um, but when I went back home to visit my parents back in Jamaica, uh, my mom and I said that we're going to do a little fast or whatever, uh, just no meat. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to increase that 70% to be, it's still 70% vegetables, but I'm going to increase it to be majority how do I get more live food into my diet? Live food, break that down. So live food is uncooked vegetables, uncooked uh, fruit. I mean, you don't cook fruits, right? But so that was me having a tomato in the morning, having a cucumber, having an avocado. You would be surprised how filling that is. That's my breakfast. I love a good avatus. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey. So that just going into... What works for me and my uh, to help me to be at my optimal has been my diet, managing my time, um, siloing out spaces for me. And I had a rule; um, it's on my website, but you, I don't know if well if you can download it or buy it. But uh, I don't work on Saturday and Sundays anymore. Can you imagine that? I I tried to make sure I don't. So I would say. Saturday, sacred Saturdays, no, self-care Saturdays and sacred Sundays. Hmm. So I wanted to make sure as a woman of faith, I'm dedicating that day, that time and that space and I'm honoring it. And I don't want anything to, to, uh, contaminate that. Right. And then the self-care is essential, right? So self-care Saturdays, sacred Sundays, and then I'm working through the rest of the week. I have something for every single day, but I want to leave you guys with that because those are, those two items are probably the ones that are the most undervalued mm -hmm. and underappreciated. You mm -hmm. don't hear so much about sacred Sundays as opposed to, and and you do hear about self care, right? Right. Uh, but not enough because it still is a gap, right? We're still seeing people suffer because of not taking care of themselves and um, going with the rut. It's both body and mind. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today, Miss Trisha. Me. My name is Miguel Gomez. This has been Gator Bites, the official business podcast of the Maryland Davies College of Business. Follow us on social media, and we want to remind you to take a bite out of business, and we'll see you later, Gators.